Hello, and thank you for joining our first official episode of Fostering Truths Productions. I am Corey, your primary host, and I'd first like to start this off by sending my condolences to the family that lost their child to an overdose at Kenya State Academy, and also a speedy recovery and prayers to those others that were involved and the ones that were affected. This is very, very unfortunate and tragic, and I don't intend to use this as advertisement or a plot to gain traction within my podcast and what I'm trying to do. However, I do think that this is a great example of why we need to have these conversations and get down to why these things are happening. That will be a further episode, though. This episode is going to be about the misconceptions that are put out there that lead to being a disservice towards foster kids, uh, foster parents, and any organization that is involved with said child. I spoke to a couple different people, the first being Lamont King. He was a big example to me and uh, he was always there uh, whenever I was angry or bitter he was there to just kind of give me a little bit of guidance as like a father figure and I asked him to participate and he'll be more physically involved as I can kind of get an idea of what I'm doing with this but uh, uh, we asked the question you know And he said that one of his biggest things that he sees is that parents don't realize that the kid has more trauma and baggage on them than they first perceived. They think that the kid is going to come in and be so thankful that they were pulled out of the system, that they're going to be little angels. And speaking from personal experience that is not the case i know for one time i had the opportunity to be put into what's called a therapeutic foster home and miss deborah lynn and her husband paul bless their souls they took me in but i was not grateful or i was more thinking about the traumas that i had and I didn't really think about how lucky I had it because I didn't know. I knew that I wasn't in a group home, but still felt that people were out to get me. And this was kind of a disservice to all, but more more importantly, it was to me because I blew that opportunity and got put right back into the system. When if I, whereas if I would have just kept thinking and going to therapy and doing what I needed to do to better myself as a person, I would have been in a great place and I wouldn't have had to be in the group homes. Um, Long story short, I got lucky though because the foster parents, Miss Deborah and Paul, are what's called therapeutic foster parents and they're trained a little bit more on the mental health aspect. So they they understand more or less what they're getting. And they've been doing it for forever. So they've 
all sorts of different characters. Um, but sadly, that isn't the case for everybody. Um, there's a very small portion of therapeutic foster homes, but most of the foster homes are just um, run by the state. They, they get signed up and pass the background check. And they can help foster. And while there's a lot of people that their hearts are in it and they intend to do well and they do well, there are a bunch of them that are there for a quick paycheck. And they think that it's going to be an easy check, that they just take a kid into their home and they give them food and they give them a bed to sleep in. And that should be enough. But the reality of all of this is there is not one single child in the foster care system that isn't traumatized or that doesn't come with baggage. And I think um, some of these foster parents don't realize that. And so then you have an angry kid or a kid that lashes out due to any kind of trauma and the foster parents are kind of like, what the heck? This isn't what I signed up for. And then they get put back into the system. And then that kid gets even more bitter. There are over 14,000 kids as of this year that are in the foster care system. And there's only about a quarter of that as far as foster parents go. So you have to imagine you, you have these 14,000 kids just waiting to be adopted, waiting to have an opportunity at a better life. And and you have to imagine also that there are people that would love to give those kids that better life. But unfortunately, most of these parents that are signed up are ill-equipped to give that child a better life. And so I, I commend the parents that are really there and they're really invested emotionally especially but are really invested in trying to care for these kids because it's it's no small task but on the same token um i think that we need to revert more to therapeutic foster care because only then will the kid and the family be set up for success if you are trained to understand what trauma is and trained to kind of handle it in a different way and you have the tools to succeed, I think that um, I think that that leads to a success story within said family. I think that also in talking to another staff member, Mr. Tapia, who also spent a lot of time with me, he said that another mis misconception or notion of confusion would be that everybody involved in the system is there for your best interests. And without getting myself into trouble, um, I have to speak very carefully on this. While attending multiple group homes, I 
know firsthand that there were a lot of staff members that simply did not care. They were there for a quick paycheck as well. And all it took was feed the kids, keep an eye on them, make sure that they're not running away. And that's that. They could care less about anything else. One example, a staff member forced me to watch a really gross pornography video and its intended purpose was to see if I was going to snitch or be disloyal and say anything and get anybody in trouble. I didn't, but I'm never able to get that out of my mind. A second thing is Canyon State Academy. There were a bunch of staff members that cared, but there were also a handful of staff members that had their own issues and didn't know how to handle them. And so they basically would lash out on the children or instigate and make issues happen so that they could restrain the kid. And the simple method was what they call the cedar, where they practically fold the kid in half and you know oh the kids in control now but a lot of times they were inflicting more damage than anything else just because they were angry and that was quite ridiculous because most of these staff members that they used to hire were former professional athletes they would literally put an ad in the newspaper for former athletes and This was just a handful again. There were more than enough staff that actually cared that were invested with with their heart and not their paycheck. And but these these staff members that were, you know, kind of borderline abusive, they they added more trauma to our lives. They added more more issues that we had to learn how to either cope with or be angry about. And for me, I was angry about it. And maybe if I had learned to kind of deal with this a little better, I wouldn't have just chosen to age out at 18 years old and be thrown to the wolves. I would have been able to get into the independent living program and and just develop myself more. But instead, I wanted to run away from these issues because I was so bitter. And this is just my story. Like I said, there are 14,000 and counting that are in the system and have been in the system that feel like they don't have a voice. And so in order to combat these notions um, that lead to being a disservice to the community, we have to bring these to light. And It's gonna be tough, I think, because we don't want to acknowledge bad things happen to kids. We we just kind of assume that the staff are taking care of the kids and the CPS workers have the best interests in for the kids when that is not the case. Um, and, And so to bring these uncomfortable things out are the only way that I can think of to help make things a little bit better. And oftentimes, if it makes you uncomfortable, if an issue makes you uncomfortable, 
there is probably a reason why. And um, I just hope that this whole process kind of makes it feel safe and a place that we can kind of address these things and explain these things to other people so that we can start tackling some of these issues. Again, there are 14,000 kids in the system. That is that is a lot of kids and and you have to think that at least half of those kids are being, you know, mistreated or or ignored or just, you know, used as a paycheck. Group homes get paid thousands of dollars to house these kids and half of these group homes don't care enough to even put half of that into the homes to to better the kids lives they line their pockets with it these are disservices to the kid and and it's not fair it's not right and it should be a talked about because the reason why these kids are being hurt is because nobody's willing to talk about it. But I've got a handful of people that want to talk and we're gonna listen to their stories and then we're going to open a discussion on how we can fix these things. I talked to Kristen Cinema. no, I didn't talk to Kristen Cinema. I wrote an email after email after email to Kristen Cinema, pleading for more resources or at least at the very minimum a conversation to be had and she didn't care because it's an uncomfortable topic so if we bring enough people out to talk about this how can it possibly be ignored and i understand i'm rambling on and so i'm going to end it by saying that i'm really thankful that I have the opportunity to be able to create a community or to help create a community rather that cares about these issues and um you know i i'm asked a lot well what can i do to help well i need this podcast to be shared so that people can hear it it doesn't matter if you were in the foster care system it doesn't matter if you don't know anything about the foster care system because this is why you're here this you're here so that you you can understand more about the foster system hell i was in the foster care system for six years and i still don't know a lot about it and so this is a this is a place that we all can learn together but the way that people can help simply for right now is to just share this podcast get get the word out there that there is a podcast and that we we need people to listen and to subscribe it doesn't matter if you listen to every episode every week but just please subscribe because the more subscribers the more the algorithm sees this and starts putting it out on the top 100 uh, new podcasts uh, my intent is to get this out to as many people as possible so that that community can be built and be stronger so With that being said, please share this podcast if possible. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. 
And also, I'm looking for somebody that can help me manage the social media accounts. If you would like to do that, just message me through my website, www.fosteringtruths.org. It doesn't matter how much experience you have, because we're all growing together. We're all going to grow at the same time. So we could do this together. I just can't handle doing all the social media, the website developing, the podcast developing, and I'm a full-time student in college. So as much help as I can get, I would really appreciate. Uh, In addition, if you would like to participate in a podcast with me or, or anybody else, we have a calendar on the website under the Fostering Truths production page, and you can schedule yourself in and for an hour so that we can record a podcast and um, please participate please try inquire we, we want all the participation that we can get because only then will we be able to get this out and I know this podcast was super jumbled up and it was super chaotic a bit but this is the first episode I am doing my research on how to organize it better and I will get there. But in the meantime, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your patience. And I look forward to seeing more subscribers and more participation. And let's keep this ball rolling. Thank you for your time.